Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KBEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time about. for Mortgage Matters. Good morning. Welcome, welcome. You are listening to... Another live edition of Mortgage Matters. It's a soggy, soggy Saturday, but we're loving it. Oh yeah, we're loving it. Loving that rain. Um, Yeah, drive safe, drive slow out there. It's coming down. We got more coming this afternoon. I think uh, I was watching Channel 3 this morning as I was getting ready to come in for the Motor Mouse show. We're expecting rain until Tuesday. Yeah. And then it looks like there may be more rain coming next weekend. Isn't that crazy? This is iPhone weather report here, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I, see, I see next Sunday is a rainy day, wow. at least as of today. But yeah, rain oh. through Tuesday. Um, I think it was Wednesday night, Thursday morning, sometime in that overnight time, I... The thunder was so loud in Morro Bay, I thought it was on top of my head. Oh, yeah. I had that at my house, too. It was so crazy. And then it was followed by lightning. And then I could just... My dogs are out on the lawn barking at the sky in the middle of the night. And then all of a sudden, I could just hear the rain just unload. It just started coming down. Dogs scurrying back to the garage or undercover. It was a crazy storm. This is... It's fun to feel the energy of those storms. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, they're powerful. Mm-hmm. They're definitely powerful, and we got a lot of that. Like you said, we were talking before we came on. It just woke me up in the middle of the night. Yeah, it was so loud. Normally, I'm a pretty sound sleeper. Yeah. Oh, what's that? Who's that voice? You ask. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> good, hello, hello. Good catch, listeners. That is Jason Van Dyke, who's uh, not a stranger to the show, but maybe not as familiar as we'd like him. Welcome. Thank you. First show of the year for yeah, you. Yeah, it is. I was going to say Happy New Year, but can you say that? Can you say that <laughs> it's in February? February? It's February. Sure, no why not? No, no, no. It's February 2nd. There's no more, no more Happy New Year, no more excuses with writing the date. You've had 30 <laughs> right. days to practice this thing. <laughs> right. <For laughs> it's 2019. Checks. We get it. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, January seemed to fly by. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you, but my my kids are already talking about Christmas again. We're already, <laughs> we're already worried about Halloween and Christmas. When's the candy coming? Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, that's because so, uh, they're so young. Right. That's because yeah. they're so young. Those are the big those are the big holidays for Oh them. yeah. And um, Easter. Don't forget Easter. Right. All the yeah. things where there's a lot of sugar involved. Right. Yeah. Sugar and candy. Those what are the those? ones that matter. It's mark I was the calendar. Like, I really like Thanksgiving. They're like, what? What's that one? The one yeah. where we eat dinner? We eat dinner every day. That one doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Has nothing to do with presents. Right. There it is. Yeah. Forget that one. Um <laughs> Well, we are glad that you joined us. We've got an action-packed two hours ahead of us here. We've got uh, the second hour. We're going to be joined by a couple of local 
real estate agents. Um, yeah, two of my favorite from Keller Williams, Ashley Boyer and uh, Shannon Bowdy. Um, they're going to be coming on the second hour, talking to us a little bit about the market and what they're seeing for this spring and summer buying season. Good. Um, what they're telling their clients. You know, there's a there's a, a lot of talk right now. There's just there seems to be some conflicting information depending on who you talk to um, about where home prices are going to go, about where mortgage rates are going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's fun though because we get a lot of phone calls from those folks who are pre-qualified or have been thinking about buying uh, and, and then calling and, and really wanting to know sort of where they stand now because there has been, uh, you know, some pretty significant changes. And like I said, the talk is uh, kind of all over the board, really. Yeah, I think there's t- there's times in an economic cycle where you get a lot of agreement from, mm-hmm. you know, the different s- opinions that are out there. You get a lot of agreement. There's Everyone's kind of seeing and thinking the same things. And then there's times in a cycle where there's a lot of, uh, diverging opinions, a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of disagreement, a lot of wonder, a lot of mm-hmm. speculation, and I think we're at one of those times right now. And those are when when you see that occurring, when you see people kind of having a lot of different opinions. That's usually a, a sign where we are going to break from whatever the trend has been. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see their take on where the market's heading. Um, yeah, so they're on the second hour. Super okay. excited to have them on. Um, and their their Keller Williams office is based down in South County. Pismo, yeah. In Pismo Pis- Beach. Pismohomes.com yeah. is where you can find them, yep. So, yeah, that's something we always like to do. We try to bring real estate agents on, um, you know, at least monthly, if you know, quarterly, monthly, something like that, and mm-hmm. try to get people from around the county so that we can get different opinions because yep. every... Every little spot has its own little quirks and, and trends and tendencies, so it's uh, it'll be good to get some insight into the South County market here yep. today. Yep. Um, but for the first hour, we're going to cover a little bit of news. Um, you know, maybe take some uh, take some action on the Super Bowl. Um, you know, whatever whatever you guys want to do today, it's your show. We're just we're just here. We're just facilitating your show. It's always a fun weekend. <laughs> fun, fun weekend for sports. It is. Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a it's a great weekend. I obviously look forward to this. This is this is my Christmas. This is what I right. you know. <laughs> come next week, I'll be I'll be wondering when the next Super Bowl is going to happen. Yeah, um, is it here yet? How are we going to do any of those local tailgating parties though with this kind of weather? Uh, I don't I don't think that happens. Yeah, I think boy, it's I it's you. more indoor tailgating this year. Okay. Yeah, right. it feels like an indoor kind of year. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah, it it would be great, you know, if I, my joints were a little more lubricated than they are. To you know, get a group <laughs> of friends together and go have like a, a good old football pickup football game on the grass before yeah. the Super Bowl. That'd be fun. Those days might be behind you. Man. <laughs> I, <know>. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever tore your Achilles <laughs> running around playing football. But no, those, no, those are uh, doesn't yeah, sound like those, much fun. But right? I have sprained my ankle playing a very casual game of basketball. <laughs> which, by the way, for two weeks in a row, I have forgotten to thank Doctor Eckland in Templeton. For he he's a friend. He play play softball with him. He's a great great doctor, a doctor of feet. Uh, he knows his feet very well. And uh, I called him up one night and asked for a little advice on how to treat my ankle. And that would be a podiatrist. He, yes, he helped me out. And uh, so, anyways, 
He's a great guy. If you need help uh, with a lower leg issue, a foot issue, <laughs> I highly recommend Dr. Eklund. Is that going to help your jump shot? Um, I mean, a healed ankle should help a jump shot. Yeah. I think so Dan can shoot, by the way. <laughs> I've seen Dan shoot the ball. Uh-huh. He, can, he can shoot the rock. So yeah. that's fun. So says the guy who owns the top of the key. Uh, well, you got to have a spot somewhere, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. One of these days we'll get back on the, uh, on the blacktop. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, just maybe two-hand touch. <laughs> <laughs> a little more, yeah, some, some video game sports. Yeah, or like foosball. More, more, or foosball, yeah, right. you know? Something like that. Something safer. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, uh, we're going to dive on into some news of the week. Um, if you guys would like to participate, which we always love. We love having the questions and the, the comments, the insights from you. Um, we would love to hear from you. You can give us a call live here in the studio at 805 543 8830. That's 805-543-8830. Phone lines are open the whole show, all two hours, so don't be shy. Feel free to give us a call, um, and we'll we'll gladly take your question on or off the air. So, here we are. We just got through another week. Mm-hmm. We got through, I guess there was an employment report that happened this week. Mm-hmm. We uh, we had a Fed meeting that yeah. happened this week. That yeah. that seemed to be pretty um, exciting for the markets. I think yeah, that, was, that was probably uh, the highlight of the week for me. Well, I agree. And we 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 started the show talking about you know information, and we're always we're always obviously taking the given economic condition and and what we what we potentially see as far as forecasting out where the market will go if it's home prices. Um, or if it's interest rates, and the Fed has some control, some influence over that, obviously, by raising or keeping interest rates the same or reducing interest rates. Um, and so this week they, they came out and kind of shifted their, their stance a little bit. I think over the last you know, year to year and a half, um, I think we all understand that the direction of interest rates is trending upwards, and we can now sort of stand on that knowing that – and actually experiencing that over the last uh, year and a half or so. Um, but we, were, we weren't really anticipating this pause that they, they came out and basically said, you know what, we're not going to raise interest rates at this point in time. And maybe even for the, you know, at least the short-term foreseeable future, um, having rates stay the same, which is good because we've seen, as far as long-term mortgage interest rates, we've seen a little bit of a dip the last few months, which is, which is nice to know that maybe we're going to hang on to that dip um, heading into the spring, which which will create some affordability. Yeah, I think I think we learned a lot at the December Fed meeting, mm-hmm. as far as where what they were seeing and what their their course of action was likely to be. Um, you know, for the next year, for for this year, twenty nineteen. Um, at that December meeting, they we at at that time prior to that December meeting, there was belief that we were. Um, poised for three rate hikes in 2019 there was uh there was discussion among the fed members that they would like to see that fed funds rate move above what they described as a neutral Mm -hmm. interest rate Mm -hmm. um moving away from that accommodative policy that we've that we've experienced for the last decade sure so that in itself in december was what i believe was the the primary cause of of rates coming down to Mm -hmm. start this new year Mm -hmm. and then we got more of that same 
talk at this January meeting, mm -hmm. there was never expectation for them to make any kind of adjustment to policy at this meeting. Right. Um, I think we've kind of become accustomed to the the four big meetings per year, the March, mm -hmm. the, you know, I, they're basically quarterly um, where there's a, a big press conference that follows a meeting. And those seem to be the preferred times to make adjustments to policy. Mm -hmm. um, so December prepared us for maybe two, only two hikes in 2019. Yep. But still we believed that we were a little below neutral as far as Fed interest rate, and their desire was still to bring us a little above that. Mm -hmm. So th I think that's where the two rate hikes, you know, that whole expectation came from. Well, now at this meeting, it seemed like they backed off of that even a little mm -hmm. bit. It, it, yep. The takeaway, my takeaway, and I think the market's takeaway based on the reaction was they might just have put a pause here indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what it seemed, what I heard. It seemed like they, they saw enough headwinds that that just holding steady was the right the right way to be right now. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously far-reaching things when interest rates go up. Excuse me, one second. Mm -hmm. So when interest rates go up, obviously when we're talking about the housing market and homes um, for sale, there's, there's a smaller pool of buyers when interest rates go up, right? So what you can afford actually shrinks. So when we're, when we're looking at some of these markets um, and the, the economy in general, um, rising interest rates sometimes can, can really tighten things down to where it, it kind of creates a, a more challenging um, environment for you know, small to mid-sized businesses to turn a profit. And so I think understanding that is important. I think also, you know, because rates were so low for so long, and obviously the, the and maybe not obviously, but the, the job of the Fed isn't necessarily to drive the economy, but it's to help stabilize it. And when rates are so long, so low for so long, um, in that really, really low range, it really inhibits their ability to do a lot as far as stimulating the economy if things do turn south. So if we can bump rates up a little bit, which they have, it gives them a little bit more wiggle room to if we do see a downturn, um, to maybe have the option of maybe dropping rates again. So mm -hmm. having that wiggle room really gives them a little bit more power and influence over um, what what we see the economy and what, what direction they can sort of influence the economy. Mm -hmm. It seemed like one big point that was made um, after the Fed decision was announced on Wednesday was related to inflation. That inflation, their preferred inflation gauge, remained below their 2% target. Mm -hmm. And that waiting for inflation to get at or above their target was, was going to be something they, they would like to do. They would like to, mm -hmm. They would like to see inflation reach or exceed their target before they adjust policy any further. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one big takeaway. They, um, what else did they say? Well, I've got an article here from yeah, the New York ahead. Times that I think sort of dives into some of the things that we're talking about. Um, I think maybe we unpack it, read it a little bit, sure. um, and then we can pause as we go through the article and, and talk about how, you know, at least in our economy and in our market, what this means for, <clears throat> for our county and our area. Um, it's interesting. It's a New York Times article. 
Um, the, the title of the article is Fed Signals End of Interest Rate Increases. Which seems a little misleading right yeah. out the gate, right? Like an end feels like there's some finality to it, right? Yeah. So we know that they won the Super Bowl because the game is now over. Right. Well, <laughs> I, don't I don't know <laughs> if this is the end exactly. Right. But we'll I think a pause that. is a more appropriate yeah, yeah. Uh, so description. <laughs> I'll jump into the article and we can pause along the way and we can continue the conversation. But it says, in, in suspending its previous plans to continue raising rates this year, the Fed signaled that its march toward higher interest rates may be ending sooner than expected. The Fed's chair, Powell, said economic growth remains solid and the central bank expected growth to continue. This is a sharp reversal from the Fed's stance just six weeks ago when Powell and the Fed said um, that the Fed had the luxury of patience in deciding whether to raise rates again. The case for raising rates has weakened somewhat, Powell said, pointing to the sluggish inflation, slowing growth in Europe and China, and the possibility of another federal government shutdown. So that's, I mean, that we, we kind of talked about that a little bit. You just mentioned that, um, inflation. Obviously, everything that the Fed does uh, takes the global economy into consideration. So there's some, there's some consideration there that has to be um, evaluated. Um, and then that, man, that government shutdown was tricky, right? I mean, we, we've been threatened with that in the past. And fortunately... It just never happened. But this time, it not only happened, but mm-hmm. man, it, I mean, it was extended. Yeah. It was really extended. Yeah. 35 so, days, I think. Yeah, that's, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're talking about, you know, I guess when we see some of these articles and we, we, we don't really truly feel it. But then when we actually see the government shut down and it's truly affecting people that you know, your neighbors, people in the community, um, it, it just made it more tangible and real. So, yeah, it did. I, it, I, I saw firsthand and and secondhand, you know, people being affected by that shutdown and the the strain it was putting on their lives. So it definitely you could you could tell how it can affect the overall economy as well mm-hmm. when you have such a large number of people who don't have that discretionary income to go spend out on a meal or you know just doing the things they would normally do. So that can kind of choke the economic activity a little bit. Um, I, I think, you know, to your point about the global economy mm-hmm. and, and the Fed looking not just at our own mm-hmm. activity, but looking around the world um, as they make policy decision, you know, we've definitely seen slowdown in China. Um, I think that was very evident from some of the big um, Manufacturers like Apple was talking about slowdown of their iPhone and pointing to China in a big way. Um, so I think, you know, there there's definitely some headwinds globally to economic growth, which is probably another reason that the Fed is is slowing down. So we're not seeing the inflation. Normally, normally when you see inflation um, go above 2% and then creep even higher, mm-hmm. that's that's usually a big catalyst for the Fed to raise interest rates. That's mm-hmm. that's their primary tool to combat rising inflation, mm-hmm. is raising their Fed funds rate. Well, we're not seeing that inflation. We haven't seen that inflation. So there's a big argument that since there is, since inflation is, is low and below target, that there's no need to raise interest rates. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one big factor. That global e- economic issue is another factor. Um, there's a whole issue of the balance sheet 
that they made a big deal about. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Did you catch that? Yeah, this the, it talks about the balance sheet and treasuries and mortgage-backed securities and bonds towards the end of this article that we can we can definitely dive into. So yeah, I mean, there you know that the the balance sheet's grown quite significantly. Um, you know, a lot of it has to do with the quantitative easing and mm-hmm. you know a lot of the stimulus over the last ten years to try to keep our economy moving. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I the Fed chairman has made it no secret that his desire is to see that start to you know start to correct itself. That they we don't want to run a twenty plus trillion dollar uh, debt, you know, we need to, we need to rein that in and start to start to get that under control and that, um, you know, we need to see something. And one of the big things is that if you, if you continue to raise interest rates, just the debt service alone, um, on, on some of that debt is Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty expensive. That, that in itself becomes a hard burden to bear. And what we're talking about when we talk about treasuries and mortgage backed securities, during the financial crisis when the housing market really took a dive the government stepped in and to help support these um these investments the government actually came in and purchased a lot and a lot by trillions of dollars worth and that helped support the bond market and that support in the bond market is what held interest rates at a very low level so the, again, a, a, a sort of another silver bullet that they can come in and affect the markets by scooping up all of these treasuries and, and mortgage-backed securities to help um, foster that low interest rate environment. So yeah, this article did, did talk about that. It said the Fed on Wednesday also sought to clarify, clarify excuse me, its plans for its giant stockpile of treasuries and mortgage bonds it's accumulated in the wake of the financial crisis. A decade ago, the central bank tried to revive economic, economic activity and reduce borrowing costs for things like cars and mortgages by cutting its benchmark interest rate nearly to zero and by vacuuming up huge quantities of bonds. So that's kind of what we're talking about now um, is you know that stimulus, what, what we did to help really drive interest rates down and then keep them at that low level and create liquidity when when there was so much you know banks were were going through regulatory reform where they had to beef up reserves and not be so leveraged um they didn't have the capital to buy mortgage-backed securities create the liquidity that the the mortgage market needed that the the entire consumer debt market really needed mm-hmm. um, these financial instit- institutions to participate in, but they were busy hoarding money and and trying to beef up reserves to reduce those leverage ratios that mm-hmm. made them so dangerous to the overall economy. Mm-hmm. So during that time period, the government had to step in and provide that liquidity when the financial institutions couldn't do it themselves. Exactly. So as a result, we've got we own a lot of things I don't know that the government really necessarily wants to own. Right. And then that's when we talk about selling. Um, it, this, this same article talks about as the, economy, the, as the economy recovered, the Fed decided to take away that crutch. And since the fall of 2017, it has gradually reduced its holding as, at a pace of about $45 billion per month. A lot of money. That's a lot of money. Um, but the Fed said on Wednesday that it planned to stop relatively soon, maintaining a much larger presence in the bond market than it did before the 2008 crisis. Hmm. So again, I think that keeping those investments on their balance sheet, again, gives them a little bit of leeway 
as far as when should we buy, when should we sell, and each of those actions has an effect on even the long-term interest rates of, of mortgages that we talk about all the time. The immediate reaction that we saw after this Fed meeting and some of the comments that we got after the meeting, after the decision was announced, we saw an immediate move down in interest rates this week. Yep. Um, I think that was that was the big reaction. It was very noticeable on Wednesday that that interest rates were. You could tell that the, I mean there was there was already a little bit of, anti, you know. You see, leading up to Fed meetings, some anticipation mm -hmm. of what their eventual decision is going to be, and and you could kind of tell from the reaction afterward that. They believed that language is going to kind of be in the same vein, leading us to believe there were going to be a couple interest rate hikes this year. You know, weren't expecting this emphasis on let's let's slow down a little bit because mm -hmm. um, that was really what was emphasized in in the the meeting minutes was let's let's slow down. There's there's reasons to proceed cautiously with future rate hikes. So it was a bit unexpected. The markets reacted, and um, to the real estate industry, what we see now is 30 year fixed right around a four and a half percent. So mm -hmm. that's the good news from when we were that. looking at October, end of October, they were now they were touching 5%. Oh, over 5%. Yeah. yeah so, definitely. so the fact that we're a half a point, you know, lower in interest rate is, uh, is, is great for those people that were on the fence. I feel like once we got through summer, those that didn't purchase, um, there were a lot of, I mean, at least a lot of people that came into our office and we did pre-qualify um, them for a home purchase, you know, with home prices ticking up a little bit. So the down payment that they need to come to the table with was a little bit more. And now interest rates are a little bit higher. So my mortgage is higher. My payment is higher. So I think that that sort of pushed some people off the fence back onto the renting side of things. Sure. So now that we see, you know, <clears throat> rates come down a little bit, that's when we're getting those phone calls we're like, Hey, so what does this rate reduction mean for me now? And what can I qualify for now? And it's the beginning of the year and I just got a raise. And so I'm making a little bit more money. And so can we reevaluate this? Mm -hmm. So that that's some of the conversations that we're having around the office that seem to be more this week than, than maybe in weeks past. Yeah. Let's, um, let's take a quick break here. We're about the Bottom of the hour, 9.32. Um, we have a little bit of more of the week's news to get through, so we will dive into that when we come back. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. As a direct VA lender, we specialize in helping the great service men and women of the Central Coast utilize their benefit to purchase and refinance real estate. We thank you for your service and believe it's a distinct honor to serve you. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. 
Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California DBO number 6054783. NMLS number 328358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California DBO number 605473. NMLS number 328. 358. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Well, I love a rainy night. I love a rainy night. I love to hear the thunder, watch the lightning when it lights up the sky. You know it makes me feel good. Well, I love the rainy night, it's such a beautiful sight. I love to feel the rain on my face, taste the rain on my legs. In the moonlight shadows. Showers wash all my cares away. I wake up to a sunny day Cause I love a rainy night Everybody <laughs> Yeah, I love a rainy night Here we go Well, I love a rainy night Oh, yeah, well, I love all right. a rainy I think we had one of those last night, didn't we? Well, I yeah. love a rainy night Pretty sure All right, welcome back Having a little fun here on Mortgage Matters this morning We, uh... We had some news. The government's back in action, so we have some we have some news to report to you. This is just in. Feels good. All right. <laughs> it's been it's been a few weeks. Uh yeah, so we were we spent the first chunk of the show here talking about the Fed meeting, which was the big news of the week. Mm-hmm. We saw immediate reaction in the the mortgage interest rate market. We saw rates move downward um on Wednesday immediately following the announcement. Um, during the break, we were kind of looking at, at some of the the good talking points, some of the nuggets from from the um, post-announcement press conferences and, and just little media blurbs that we got. And I think, um, you know, one of the big things was the, the Fed had really given us clear indication that they were they were they were on an upward trajectory with their. Mm-hmm. Fed policy, their rate, Fed interest rate hikes. You know, we, it seemed clear. Yep. Yep. Even as recently as a couple of weeks ago, it seemed like I was seeing Jerome Powell on TV at various economic clubs or wherever, you know, he does his, his, his different media tours. Sure. And uh, was talking about, about, you know, while the stock market might be indicating 
some headwinds or some some problems, some tumultuous times. All the data points that the Fed looks at was indicating growth, mm-hmm. strength, positive movement, um, which all led us to believe that we were that there was really not going to be any change in policy. But now we saw through this Fed meeting definitely some some key verbiage changed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you had highlighted a few of those points there. Yeah, this article mentions that specifically, so I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, this says that for the last several years, the Fed said consistently that it planned to keep raising interest rates. The pace was uncertain, but just like you said, the, the direction was known. So we're, we're anticipating rates going up. We all know that, but at the pace is, I guess, was sort of the big question. Um, the, the verbiage that you're talking about, one of the things that was removed from the previous meeting was some further gradual increases was replaced with a more patient in evaluating the health of the economy. That pause is sort of what we're getting now. There was one economist who's, uh, whose quote was, don't just do something, stand there, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> a little play on words there. Don't just do something, stand there. And sometimes that's, uh, it's good to do that, right? Like, let's hold on. Let's reevaluate. And that's, I think that's, that's critical to understand is obviously the Fed can give us an idea of a direction, which I think they've done, but it's smart to constantly be evaluating. I mean, we do that in our own lives all the time, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we have a direction that we're going, but at some point you have to stop, sort of see what progress we've made, evaluate everything that's going on around you, and then either correct course or continue down the path that you're on because everything is as planned. But there's it, it is a living, breathing thing that must constantly be evaluated, and then decisions need to be made appropriately. Okay, so let's pause here for a moment on our Fed talk, and let's look at some of the data points. Okay. Let's look at some numbers here, because there was a lot going on this week. In fact, before I dive into the always-anticipated employment situation... Uh, let's talk about the previous report, the one that sh- that um, we got at the beginning of January that described December jobs. That was a surprising report, surprisingly positive, where we had over 300,000 jobs added um, for December. Unemployment rate crept up to 3.9% because more people were participating in the labor market. Um you know, they were encouraged to get off the couch, get back out there, look for a job because companies are hiring, mm-hmm. wages are going up. Um, so that's what we saw. And here we are one month later. I mean, I feel like I'm looking at the identical report. We got another 304,000 jobs added in January. The unemployment rate crept up another tenth of a percent to 4%. Um, and again, seemingly because there's more optimism that the companies are hiring. So more people who were previously not even counted in the labor force are back in action looking for jobs. Um, all these are positive things. And what's more positive than a, a growing jobs economy? Um, but here you're talking about the Fed's worried and wanting to, to pump the brakes a little because of what again? uncertainty seems pretty certain what's going on in the jobs companies are hiring i think it's good (laughs) i think it's good anytime you have 
some of these reports that come out, right? That we always look at these short-term windows. And so I think it's always important looking at any graph, right? Is like, let's take a step back because any even upward trending graph that is clearly going a certain direction is going to have its ups and downs. And so I think if we, if we focus on such a short-term window, then we can often get a misconstrued perception of what's actually happening. So I almost feel like that's what's happening in the economy right now is that, that pause mentality. Like let's, let's, we, we do have some good information. We have a lot of positive information, like you said. Um, but before we just say this is how it's going to be moving forward and we can count on this for sure, I think that having that ability to, to pause for a second and see what this next quarter brings, I think it's important. Um, and it will also allow us to make sure that we don't go the wrong direction, right? Like yeah. sometimes not moving, not making a decision is the right decision sure. because you need to gain some more information. And then with that information, now we can confidently move in the correct direction. And that's almost what it feels like now. We started the show with that is there's there's so much information out there. Some of it is one direction. Some of it is another. When we find ourselves in that scenario, sometimes it's better to do nothing and just do something. Stand there. Don't just do something. Stand there. That was the quote. I'd so yeah, that the, one up, the but. Fed is uh, taking a step back. They better take two steps back because right. that's a that's a big jobs number right. to absorb. Three hundred and four thousand right. jobs added, two months in a row were over three hundred thousand, wildly above expectations. Which uh, the forecasted non-farm payrolls number was one hundred and seventy thousand. Wow! So we nearly doubled it. Yeah, uh, pretty crazy. Let's uh, let's turn our eyes to some housing, some housing numbers. We saw new home sales for November. So this was a delayed report because mm-hmm. of the shutdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, new home sales were above expectations at a six hundred and fifty-seven thousand annual pace. Um, almost a hundred thousand above the predicted pace so november was strong for new home sales pending home sales were down 2.2 percent um that's a month over month reading i believe and that's not unexpected in the winter mm-hmm. um, usually you see that ec- that uh, home sales activity stop during the winter time um so not a big deal there that was a december reading so that's right at, right in between your thanksgiving and christmas holidays and uh, and that's so not not nothing to see there. Don't don't get too worried about that. Um, we also saw the Case Schiller. It just sounds weird saying it. Case Schiller House Price Index. Should it be home price? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, for November. Mm-hmm. Um, and this showed appreciation at a 5.2% year over year clip. Slight tick down from the last reading of 5.3%. Still some appreciation happening. Still appreciation. Still above normal appreciation. Normal appreciation's in that 3 to 5% range, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. still above. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we see. Those are some of the big data points for the week. Um, there was a manufacturing index that came out above expectations as well. So you look all around, and the numbers still look very positive, which is what we had been hearing leading up to this week's Fed meeting, 
And then we get the bombshell of, hey, we need to, we need to hold on. We need to be, what was it? Cautious? What was their word? Cautious. Yep. Cautious oh. and patient. Patient. That was the word. Patient. Yep. yep. Interesting. Yeah. There's, there's conflicting information. There's no doubt. Conflicting sentiment anyway. Um, talking about sort of after the Fed announcement, there were some economists, some said that they expected economic growth to continue and then therefore expected the Fed to resume rate increases this year. Um, the quote was, this trends more like a pause than a strong signal that they believe that they're at the end of the hiking cycle. Um, barring a very significant global downturn, we still see further rate increases later this year. So that's sort of one, one camp, one side of the fence. And then there's the other side that says, you know, however, um, the Fed did pause, right? We do feel that we're at the top of the cycle as far as interest rate increases. Hmm. And so maybe we're, again, we've created that, that neutral, we're in that neutral zone now where we could increase if we need to, we could even decrease if we need to, to stimulate. So with the economy poised to slow, and this is a quote, with the econ- from the article, with the economy poised to slow over the next year, the Fed is not interested in risking turning that sh- slowdown into a recession. So I can understand that as well, where you know things are going well. We do see some positive numbers. If we continue to raise interest rates too quickly, we may, we may slow things down. We may bottleneck things, and that's, uh, that's not what we want to do when we're trying to gain momentum, right? Do you think some of this um, change in in verbiage and description of the economy is just is is really just put out there by the Fed to help calm markets that seem to be kind of running away with this idea that they were they were on a a very deliberate certain path that maybe wasn't what the markets wanted to see? Do you think do you think the Fed plays to the markets a little bit. I mean, I, I feel like they'll they'll say all day long that they don't take markets or mm-hmm. you know tweets from the president or mm-hmm. whatever, whoever's criticizing or whatever. They don't take that at all. They they've they have their own views on on the country's economy, and they mm-hmm. they you know they have a lot of great insight, and they don't. That's not really a factor for them. But what do you think? Man, you started the question by saying, do they, the the words that they use in these statements, uh, are they intended to give a certain meaning? And I mean, I I would say absolutely yes, because they they understand that these statements after these meetings are going to be dissected. And you change one word from, you know, where they were going as far as, you know, the direction is upward. We're still going to see some rate increases. Um, the pace we're not sure, but expected. And then we they they shift to pause, and it's I mean headlines across the entire economy. Yeah, that can't be a mistake oh, that no. they change that verbiage. No, I no. mean they. Oh yeah, they they fully understand that tweaking that verbiage even just a little bit is going to cause um, a ripple effect. Absolutely, absolutely. So what? So the the Fed is pausing. They see, they they want to just they want to they want to hold on. They mm-hmm. want to see what's. I mean, obviously we've got. We already mentioned slowdown, economic slowdown in China. We've seen some issues in, um, you know, with the Brexit vote and oh, I mean that's just seems like a total 
debacle. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on over there. Mm-hmm. One minute it seems like, you know, there's going to be like a regime change. Another minute there's not. Brexit, are they? Aren't they? Is there going to be some compromise? Who knows? Um, you know, we've got there's these little pockets around the world of of uncertainty. Is is that playing into the Fed? Do they does that matter? Is I mean, I guess they're pausing to look at some of those things and how they might impact us. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some of the more you know domestic the trade issues. Um, you know, we've got funding our own government issues. You know, maybe it's all these things that they're just kind of like we need to we need to sort some of this out. There's no doubt about that. I think, like you said, when when you're getting all of that information at once, sometimes the best move is to not make a move. Sometimes the best move is just to pause and see how some of these things play out. And we talk about cycles all the time. And, you know, what's the what's the normal cycle of this and how should it be happening? And I mean, even when we talked about the the mortgage meltdown and the crisis that we went through there, I mean, there's so much money injected into the economy by the government that that disrupts that normal cycle. And so when we, when we talk about, well, what, what should we be doing? What's the normal cycle? What's the, the normal play here? We're, we're sort of in uncharted territory. With it a lot feels of this. weird right now. It feels very mixed. I mean, mm-hmm. you kind of, you've got the fed kind of saying, Hey, there's like potentially a dark cloud out there, but then you've got the average Joe here where companies are hiring. Wages have been going up a little bit, you know, I mean, Things aren't bad. Not too long ago, six months ago, eight months ago, you're hearing, you know, pundits around the news media and stuff talking about how, you know, there's white hot growth in the U.S. and the economy's doing better than it's done in years and, you know, all this stuff. So it's like, are we supposed to feel good about where we're at or are we supposed to be worried about some dark cloud coming? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel really weird about this whole thing. I feel like we're still in a recovery cycle. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't see anything really bad looming out there. It's hard for me to believe that because, you know, there's a slowdown in China or there's like a, some, some stuff going on in Europe that, that, that I should worry here in the U.S. about whether or not, you know, there's going to be a job opportunity waiting. It, it doesn't feel like that should impact that. I guess I'm just confused right now. Yeah, I, I feel I think, confused. I feel like time will tell, right? I mean, <laughs> sure. what, what? how do you feel about the fact that we do have some momentum? We do see some of these numbers and economic indicators pointing to pointing the right direction Yeah, um, for economic growth. I feel good about it. Right. And so how will interest rates going up affect that? I don't feel like interest rates are going up. I mean, you know what? I lately I have been wondering if pointing to historical norms is really the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel like the historical norms are an appropriate gauge necessarily mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Have we grown beyond mm-hmm. these historical norms? Is is the new normal for mortgage interest rates four to six percent mm. as opposed to six to eight percent? Right. Is the new normal for um, overall economic growth? Is it two to three percent instead of above three? Mm-hmm. You know, is are 
is looking to historical norms appropriate? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's hard mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, time will always tell. Time, sure. time has a funny way of revealing the, the truth, but right. um, we don't know now. And right. so I don't know. I mean, we are coming out of un, unprecedented times, just a, it, and it feels like we're still feeling ripple effects mm-hmm. from that, right? We've, yep. We're talking here about all the money we've pumped in to the economy to try to bridge this mm-hmm. this recessionary period um and and i think it's going to be a while still before we fully get back to what might be considered normal mm-hmm. um you know we maybe need to let some of this some of this money move its way back out of the f- the off the balance sheet off the balance yep. sheet and you know maybe get to some place where we're not you know, running into debt ceilings every other month. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. This feels like just ripple effects of that time that we're just not through it yet. Right. What is normal, right? And where where will that set point then become normal again? But what I, I guess as we, you know, try to get back to the focus of the show, which is real estate, I haven't felt any significant change in opinion of the direction of real estate. I feel mm-hmm. like there's still people who are out there who want to buy homes, who are still just salivating for that opportunity to get their foot in the door to that first time home ownership position. Mm -hmm. And there's still a lot of demand out there. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're not fearing a dark cloud. They're not worried about some major downturn. They're not worried about their job going away. In Mm -hmm. fact, I hear the opposite. I'm, I'm hearing about people who are, you know, they're now a year into their new job and they're feeling great about their growth potential at that place. Um, and, and they're looking, they're out there making offers on homes and they're, they're trying to, you know, get that foot in the door. And, and, you know, the worst case scenario that I hear out there is that there might be, um, a lull in home appreciation, but nothing significantly bad. Certainly not an economic downturn that's going to, you know, make them want to pause on their plans to buy a home. So it's just it feels odd right now. Um, I. I guess. My message to listeners would be that I, you know, when I look at our economy, I see a lot of positive. Improvement, I see. I see a lot of jobs available, a lot of hiring going on. Um, I wish I would see more growth in wages. You know, this this uh, January reading for the employment situation showed wages only grew 0.1%, which is kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd really like to see that at 2 to 3 or more percent. See, wages really show some meaningful growth. So that's the one area that continues to frustrate. But... Otherwise, I see I see a lot of optimism as far as job potential, wage growth potential among um, just the average average people out there who we talk to every day. So I think, um, you know, if if you're someone who's who's concerned about the direction of the economy, I would say that it's certainly not domestic forces that are really influencing other than maybe the, the trade issues. Right. Um, but otherwise I feel like there's a lot of, there's still optimism, a lot of optimism. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think there's a lot to be 
it's a lot to look forward to. And the fact that we have seen, and we're talking about just our local market and real estate market, that, that dip in interest rate is really going to help people. I feel like it's a, a little bit of relief, you yep. know? There, there's certainly a number of people who are like, man, I finally am feeling like I'm on solid ground financially, and yep. I'm ready to take that big next step forward. Mm -hmm. And right as I'm ready to take that big step forward, I feel like I've recovered I feel like I'm on f solid ground, and now borrowing costs are getting away from me a little bit. Uh -huh. A little ahead of, you know, I'm ready now, and man, I wish I was ready a year ago because borrowing costs were down. Sure. Um, and I'm, I'm feeling a little frustrated. I'm feeling like I'm getting left behind. Uh -huh. So this is a breath of a moment. This is a, a breath of fresh air here. Yep. It feels good. It feels like, oh, it, it didn't get away from me. Right. I still have an opportunity. And, um, so I, you know, I think that's what I'd like to leave you with this hour is, um, you're getting a lot of mixed opinions, mixed reports, but boots on the ground are hearing a pretty positive story still. Absolutely. So I think that's, that's the takeaway. That's the message I'd like you to hear. And, you know, as far again, one more time, just to reinforce this from the, the real estate, you know, borrowing costs have, have gone down. We're back in the mid 4% range on a 30 year mortgage. It's a great place to be mm -hmm. still just incredibly, incredibly low cost to borrow large sums of money. Um, it's, it's hard to believe that it's lasted this long, but it's still here. Here we are. 4%. Um, all right. We are at the top of the hour break. Time to freshen up the coffee. When we come back next hour, we're going to be joined by two wonderful real estate agents from Keller Williams and Pismo Beach. Ashley Boyer and Shannon Bowdy. They'll be joining us for the next hour. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. All right. Welcome back. I sound different in here. You sound so far away, Dan. Where'd you go? <laughs> they moved me. They moved me to the fishbowl. Well, it got a lot prettier in here, I can tell you that. <laughs> That's, That's right, for sure. Yeah. I know. We got the ladies over here. We kicked one of the dudes out. <laughs> Yeah, it's not the biggest studio in the world, so it can only fit so many people at once. Um, We're joined by two of my favorite realtors, and I deal with a lot of realtors, and I don't say that just to make you like me. <laughs> I really do respect you both greatly. I've known you both for quite a while. Um, super hardworking realtors with Keller Williams, Ashley Bauer, and Shannon Bowdy. Um, man, how are you girls doing? We're good. Great. How yeah. about you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks good. for coming in today. Yeah, thank you. We really appreciate it. I know talking with you ladies, uh, before you came on the show, talking about some topics and Dan and I were mentioning it the first part of the hour. 
that, uh, man, there's just there's so much information right now. Depending on who you talk to, the direction of our local market and what to expect. Um, let's just sort of dive into what you guys are, are seeing and thinking and feeling and, and give us your thoughts. I'll let you take it first. Sure. We're coming out of a, um, kind of a slow period, and, and it's, things are picking back up again uh, come this time of the year. They'll speed back up again, I believe, in, um, in the springtime, of course. So, um, you know, we just came off of a hard time with the government shutdown and everything. And um, the, uh, the, the luckily, the interest rates didn't rise. So that's a good thing. Right. So that should encourage people to, you know, get off the off the uh, wagon and just go ahead and start start purchasing. So that's what we're, we're seeing at this time right now. Did you have any specific clients that were interested in buying that were affected where all of a sudden now they're not working, they're not getting a paycheck? I guess not getting a paycheck. Um, has that did that did that affect any of your transactions? No, not really. I mean, I guess thankfully so. Um, we we didn't have any transactions or or in or pending transactions that had um, to do with that. But I would say that anytime you have government instability, then you see buyers and even sellers shrink back from making big choices. Right. And so, and this. You know, it's no joke. It's the longest shutdown in history. So the longer it dragged on, the more people got uh, scared. So it takes a little while for them to warm back up again. And we only bought ourselves three weeks, right? So we may not see them really get warm until we see what happens um, at that time. But I would say the fall last year, we had a lot of media hype about uh, this is the big bubble. This is the slowdown. And what I was waiting to see was, is this just a normal fall? Because our normal fall is slow. Mm -hmm. right. um, and so we had, we had an election, which always makes it slow. We had fall, which is always slow. Mm -hmm. And then we roll right into the holidays, which were a long set of holidays. Mm -hmm. You know, we had whole, a whole week per Christmas and New Year's. People took the whole two weeks off. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm reluctant to go you know, running around the barnyard saying the sky is falling. Um, I think that maybe we'll we'll see uh, a return to a new normal in right. the spring. Yeah, we've the past couple of years, fall, winter have been amazing. But, you know, it's, I think we're just going back to the, the, the normal that it was right. before that. Yeah, we see that a lot with just the uncertainty, right? When Whenever there's that uncertainty, people mm -hmm. tend to freeze. Right. And especially, like you said, where this government shutdown is still sort of looming. Mm -hmm. We're still seeing some of the effects of that. And then with so much uncertainty, I can see where that makes your guys' job a bit challenging right mm -hmm, now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. A bit challenging. So what what are you telling the people that are sort of frozen right now, that are on the fence, that maybe weren't able to purchase over the summer, um, and now we're heading into this new year with so much uncertainty? What What's sort of your message to them? What are you getting out there? Well, we're pretty certain the interest rate's going to go up by, towards the end of the year. So, you right. know, this is a great time to buy. Money's still cheap. Right. Um, it's, uh, the, you know, being that the Feds didn't raise the interest rate this last time, it, it will make it where, you know, this would be the time to buy. Let Do it before the, the, the money goes is more expensive. Yes, definitely. It feels yeah. like there's a window there that we're we're now entering. Right, right, yes. <laughs> And the main thing to say, I think, to anybody at any time is if it's it's really too hard to predict a market. If the right t if you're looking for the right time to buy or sell, the right time is, is if it's right for you. Exactly. Right. So yes. what's going on in your life? Do you need a bigger house? You need more space? Do you need downsize? You know, need to get out of two stories, need to get out of a particular location because of traffic. 
whatever. If that what is now is the right time, then it, in then it's the right time for you. Mm-hmm. So I pulled that actually straight from Shannon's <laughs> website. It's oh. There is never a wrong time to buy the right home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. and it's so it's true, true, right? Yes. I mean, there's there's always going to be opportunities out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's always going to be folks that are selling their home for one reason or another. Right. Yeah. Um, there's always folks that are going to be moving into the area mm-hmm. and they're not interested in renting, mm-hmm. and so they're going to be actively looking for a home um so there's there's always going to be that activity but yeah i agree there's there's if it's the right time mm-hmm. i mean that is so critical and important right for sure. Right. How, for sure that brings up a good point i mean how often are are you ever working with buyers and they're they're talking to you about the direction of rates i mean is that usually a factor when someone's buying a home is interest rates or i would is say it other factors that are leading them to want to purchase I would say it's probably in the top three of Is things it? that people want to talk about for sure. Hmm. Um, and and they may not be, if they're first time home buyers or something, it may not be savvy enough to ask specifics about rate, but they're asking about their comfort zone in terms of payment. I see. And so, and that's when you start talking about educating them in terms of rate and then they're down so that they get out of mortgage insurance and things like that. So, so are buyers that you're working with today, are they buying at, kind of the top end of their comfort zone or their affordability or are they usually in in our county and in northern santa barbara county Mm -hmm. where we also operate it's always the case um they you know we we just unfortunately we have a very high you know average home price so they're Mm -hmm. usually always having to spend all that they can Okay. Yeah. I mean, I have a out-of-state buyer I've been working with and she certainly could have probably afforded more of a down more of a payment last year if she would have purchased than say this year but now it's like leveling off a little bit better so i think we're getting to a better spot waiting that that little bit of time mm-hmm. well you can share with your buyers that um it seems like the fed is is pumping the brakes quite mm-hmm. a bit here so mm-hmm. yeah. yes um the forecasts for those rising rates seem mm-hmm. to have definitely changed for for yeah. this year well we also are having that conversation with our sellers because we we had a seller yesterday who's on the fence about if it's time for him to sell his investment property. And with that Fed news, I I feel like it is the time to sell because it's still, we're not going to see, in my opinion, home prices slide backwards. The reductions you're seeing are sellers that maybe over, overreached on their price. Mm-hmm. Right. But we're going to see a leveling. So buyers are going to start popping up that like the rate and they know that now might be the time for them to get a home price that's more palatable. So um, this is still a seller's market to get out there. And our inventory is still low. Yeah. So We've been hearing a lot about, I mean, obviously the entry level markets always in high demand here, I think. Completely, yes. And it's, and it's competitive too. And it's expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't feel like entry level necessarily mm-hmm. when you're spending five and six right. and seven hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> yeah. but it is, that's mm-hmm. entry level here. Um, our, are you, I've I've hear, heard anecdotally that just you know we're starting to see some price declines, longer marketing times. Mm-hmm. Are yeah. you seeing that? We are seeing that. Yes, uh, there are longer marketing times. Uh, the key is price your house right. Uh, people, the sellers are seeing where they want to keep on going up, up, up. Well, that's not happening anymore. It's more leveling off. So if you price your home right, you should be able to sell it uh, quickly. But if it's you know let's oh we see it going up, 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 up. Even just a little bit. I mean, our our when our 
prices that, you know, when people put in offers, they usually go pretty close to asking price. Mm-hmm. So we're not thinking like, oh, we need to price it high and then take a lower offer. Those usually sit. Yeah. Okay. And mm-hmm. we actually have a really savvy set of sellers that happen to have just bought last year and are in need of relocation back to where they came from in mm-hmm. Oregon. And they know that they have to price savvy on their end because mm-hmm. people can look right back to what they bought it for. Mm-hmm. Oh, and sure. it's not increased enough to go, oh, hey, you know, I'm going to add $25,000 on. Um, so they're actually pricing below what they bought it for last year. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. To yes. be competitive. Mm-hmm. And, and that will probably win them either at price or above. Mm-hmm. which is the right way, right thing to do. When we have that conversation with a seller that wants to pad in some room so that they can negotiate, we don't find that we're negotiating more than 3%. Mm-hmm. So it's 1% to 3%. Mm-hmm. And so you don't need to pad that much. It'll get you buyers sitting on the fence waiting for you to come down. Mm-hmm. So you either price it right or it's not moving. Right. Exactly. That's kind of what this market... Completely, yes. Yeah. Yeah, which can always be tricky with sellers, right? Like when you initially meet with someone who's Uh thinking about selling. Yes. Obviously, there's those folks that have to move because they're relocating. Mm -hmm. But it can be a tricky thing to tell someone, hey, that home really isn't worth what you quite think it is. Right. That's that's particularly if they've done some improvements that had they asked you, you might not have encouraged. (laughs) So um, I would say the thing I just had a seller invite me over to see some great improvements on her home. Um, I'm hoping she holds on to that home for at least five more years because <laughs> she invested quite a lot in outdoor landscaping, which mm. is probably the lowest on the totem pole for return on investment, <laughs> unfortunately. So when you do your outdoor landscaping and you know patios and ki- outdoor kitchens and stuff, plan to enjoy them for a while. That's not what. <laughs> right. That's not what's going to get. But if you know, everybody knows kitchens is number one, and then bathrooms are number number two on the on the list of return on investment. So. So I'm curious what a listing appointment sounds like in today's market, and maybe you could even kind of answer in like an advice kind of way to people who are thinking about selling their home. Because I know, you know, if you're, if you're a seller and you're meeting with multiple listing agents to decide who to list your home with, part of what's going to lead you to one versus another is if someone convinces you they can sell your house for more. Mm-hmm. But then as the seller, you run the risk of someone over-promising, mm-hmm. you list it too high, and then you get no activity. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you want to be realistic as a listing agent, but you're competing with someone who's setting the bar too high, how do you convince a seller that you're right, they're wrong, and that you can actually sell their home, and if you list with them, they're going to just sit? What does that conversation look like? Well, a couple of years back, um, actually maybe just two years, uh, we had a listing in Arroyo Grande, Mm -hmm. Zulfa, Mm -hmm. and um, they interviewed three, um, and his question uh, midway in the listing presentation, the seller's question was, why did the other two agents tell me that my house was worth 30000 more than you're saying? Mm-hmm. And I would say that if you have if, if you have any inkling based on what you're watching around in your neighborhood of what your home is valued at, and then you have an agent come in and, and go much higher than that price, or if you have three professionals that you've chosen based on their acti- their sales activity, how many listings they've sold in the last two years. And they um, and there's one that's super high and the other two are telling you the same price. Then you kind of know that that one agent might be 
trying to do what we call buying the listing, which is not going to be a fun experience for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in my profession, you know, in my professional experience, 16 years doing this and then born into the real estate um, uh, business. It is the the least uh, favorite thing to do is to call a seller to have that talk about why no one is making appointments to come see your house. I bet. It is. So <laughs> I don't want to do that. I try to avoid that at all costs. And I'm not undervaluing, but I'm definitely telling you the hard facts about what, where your house is valued. Mm-hmm. So you have to come armed with the, the information to prove that, right. that mm-hmm. you're being realistic. We, we, when we tag team a listing, so mm-hmm. a lot of times I'm going up for a listing with my mom, who's my partner, or just by myself or with Shannon. When I'm going up with, the, with um, one of my partners, one of us, we usually do our own separate research mm-hmm. and then come together before we have the appointment mm-hmm. to compare, to see if we are agreeing on it. And, um, and yeah. And so then you get to, you know, we might've looked at, Mm -hmm. I mean, usually there's overlap, but we might've looked at a property and put it in that the other person didn't. And then we get to argue about why that is. We do a coming to the minds kind of, um, Mm -hmm. gathering where, you know, a lot of times if Ashley hasn't been in the house, I've been in the house. I know the details of it and everything. And we talk about those talking points of why that house is priced that way mm-hmm. or why it's priced so low or why it's priced so high. So it's it's more of like a meeting of the minds and just making sure that we get the right price for this particular seller. Otherwise, you're just sitting there doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So our job is to make sure that the seller gets to where they want to be. I really like that approach. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's too easy if you're sitting in the same room discussing something to mm-hmm. kind of form the same opinion. Whereas right. if you're doing it independently, you mm-hmm. can then debate your independent finance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the other thing a seller should think about is that I would say five years ago or maybe even longer, maybe before the recession, buyers didn't really know what DOM means in mm-hmm. Zillow. And now they mm-hmm. know that DOM is days on market. Mm-hmm. And they know that if it's more than 60, that the first question out of their mouth is, have they had any offers and what's wrong with it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. And um, and so and you, you actually hope they've had offers because that at least uh, throws some of the stink off the property. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but then then you get into the conversation of what happened to that offer. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Um, I would, you know, people know that our average days on market have risen a little bit, but um, but definitely 60 days is still 60 or less is the time it takes to sell a home in in, in San Luis County total. Okay. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Zillow. I'll share with you all and our listeners a conversation I had with a Zillow rep. Won't get into why I was even talking to him. But anyways, I was talking to someone from Zillow. He was trying to get your money. They were... (laughs) Signing you up. (laughs) They were um, talking about the Zestimate and how how inaccurate it has been lately. It's setting some pretty false expectations. Uh Uh They've been been finding that it's it's been a little high compared to what homes are actually selling for. They don't don't take into account... Like what you see when you go to the property, right. Right. they don't take into account. Okay, so when we came, we're in the recession, we had those homes that were um, everything's torn out, <laughs> right? Um, and then you have these brand new homes that are gorgeous. So you're comparing those just because of square footage and bedroom size and right. things like that and location. But you need to take into account everything, all the aspects of the house, and that's how you price the house out. Those estimates are terrible. It's an algorithm that just does not work. So FYI for the listening audience, if you go to the bo- if you're if you want to really research 
Zestimates. If you go down to the bottom of mm-hmm. the uh, of Zillow homepage, there's a whole bunch of fine print, and there is an area that talks about the statistical information. If you click on that, it'll actually go into the um, plus or minus error on Zestimates, <laughs> and you can plug in your zip code, and it'll give you your specific plus or minus error because they actually disclose it. Oh, and, this is going to be fun. Uh-huh. I'm doing this during the break. Yeah, yeah. and 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 and. It, and I haven't looked at it in a few in, in a while, so it, 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 they might have buried it. But they used to be very transparent. Well, if you can find the fine print, but it used to be in our county, there were some areas that were plus or minus fifteen percent. Oh, oh that's not a small margin. No. no. So um, I will say this: when you're in an area like I always use Chicago as an example, Chicago has a lot of real estate that are very very similar units. You have a high rise and you have condos, and each one is pretty much almost exactly the same. You can do his estimate in a situation like that because they know that all those units are carbon copies of one another. Sure. When you go into a county like ours where you have everything from Oceano to, you know, um, Avila, Avila and, and the, the span is just along a stretch of Highway 1 right. in ra- range so huge, this estimate just doesn't work. So I, I'm not necessarily out here just to bash Zillow, but it should be very mm-hmm. transparent that that's not the best resource. For we have a key part in our, in our pre, uh, listing presentations, our current market analysis, where it will show you what the Zestimate was and what the home actually sold for. And mm-hmm. that's a very useful mm-hmm. key to look at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our, our area is so unique. There's not a lot of tracked development around mm-hmm. here. So you definitely need to... Yeah. Proceed with caution when I would you're say probably relying a, on those estimates. A good example of where it might work, I've never tested this theory, but in Trilogy. Sure. Oh, yeah. true, yes. Yeah. Sure. Somewhere so, like that, like mm-hmm. I'm thinking a, a Dove Creek and a Tascadero. Right. Somewhere where there's a lot of homogeneous properties, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. everything kind of looks like the one right next to it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, let's see here. We're about 25 minutes into this hour. I think it's a good time to take a commercial break. Uh, we have a few sponsors. Do we have a new sponsor, Jim? Is AM Sun Solar, is their commercial rolling? I have to, I don't believe it's in here yet. All so, right. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to have to uh, do my own personal testimony. Well, I don't, I'd have, I don't have solar in my house. But <laughs> Mike was in the studio, and man, yeah. if I was in the market for solar, I would talk to him. Yeah. That guy is a straight shooter. Uh, good guy. They are going to be a sponsor of the show here very soon. Um, so we'll look forward to their commercial when it's added to the lineup. In the meantime, we'll just roll on with the longtime sponsors of the show, and we will be right back with Shannon and Alicia when we come back from this break. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We believe that cell phone apps are great for some things and wrong for others. When it comes to something as significant as a mortgage, use our team of mortgage experts. Leave the apps for ordering pizza, not for buying a home. Use your phone for its original purpose and give us a call today. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California DBO number 605-4783. NMLS number 328-358. 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We believe that cell phone apps are great for some things and wrong for others. When it comes to something as significant as a mortgage, use our team of mortgage experts. Leave the apps for ordering pizza, not for buying a home. Use your phone for its original purpose and give us a call today. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California DBO number 605-4783. NMLS number 328. 358. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Matters and Saturday morning karaoke, (laughs) (laughs) which is great, which is great. So we are here with Ashley and Shannon, PismoHomes.com, which is a little misleading, right? It is, yes. Because we're not only Pismo. What what uh, what areas of the county do you focus we on? We cover the entire San Luis Obispo County as well as northern Santa Barbara County. Oh, good. And so uh, well, there's a reason why we ha- we're called the Pismo Beach Homes team. And <laughs> well, um, 16 years ago, I have I have a marketing wizard for a husband, Michael Boyer, and um, he and I had to you know figure out how we were going to brand 
niche market. And um, I not only born and raised, well, born in Tahoe, but four years old, moved to Pismo. And so have a love in my heart for that city. But it is the most searched city in our county for real estate. Um, and it's a lot of that is I came here for a vacation and I want to live here. Right. And um, but we are um, we're branded as that so that it's memorable um, and and easy to find, easy to search for, but we are also ranked um, very highly in uh, all the cities in mm -hmm. the in searches online. So yeah. it just happens to be an easy way to keep people um, keep keep us in their heads. It is, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm showing property in San Miguel this week, and mm -hmm. I have a um, escrow in Sa Santa Maria right now, so I'm, yeah. I'm pretty much all over. Yeah. yeah, and we have escrow, and we we have a buyer's agent on our team, DC Carter, who specializes in his neck of the woods, which is North County, Atascadero, but he's branching out into all parts of the county as, as well since he's joined our team. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. But um, but he is the Dove Creek expert, so he actually nice. uh, has a Dove Creek Facebook page for the community and. Yeah, so we're all over. So how many how many team members do you have on your team? I know you have a lot of marketing experience, right? And your yes. husband is has a, a ton of marketing experience. Is, yes, that's what he does for you guys. Uh, yes, he he is on our masthead. Um, even though he has his his own uh, full time job, and mm -hmm. he is uh, the newly hired president of Doc Bernstein's Ice Cream. Oh wow! So there's a lot more. Um, ice cream in our life these days <laughs> <laughs> how's that with your new year's resolution? Uh, yeah right <laughs> yeah i'm thinking about doing that j-lo 10 day sugar <laughs> challenge to get away from it but um anyways he his background is in marketing and um and particularly in online um uh marketing so he has us everywhere we usually get um we get teased by our associates that wake up in their news feed and our faces are staring at them. Mm -hmm. So um, he does uh, local branded advertising. Um, he can throw, uh, he'll throw a bubble over our conference that we're going to in February mm -hmm. and have our um, faces coming up on agents news feeds, offering them uh, referrals and, um, That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We're heading so. to my hometown of New Orleans, Louisiana, to uh, go to our Keller Williams family reunion. So mm -hmm. it, uh, you know, it's a lot of training and classes and lots of networking. So it just you know keeps us sharp and yeah. and um, good in the market. Yeah, just like with your doctor, if your doctor doesn't do continuing ed, you should probably question that. And, <laughs> right. Right. and the same thing with your real estate agent, mm -hmm. um, because this mark, this the technology aspect of our business. It changes so it, quickly. It changes. I would say it changes every six months at a minimum. I mean, there's new things that happen so fast. You have to have you have to have your ear to the ground and try it, test it. Maybe it doesn't work, but at least be able to talk about it with your clients. Mm -hmm. Well, they say that about Keller Williams in general, right? It's a, it's almost a technology company mm -hmm. that sells real estate. Yes, right? yes. yes. Gary, Keller, Gary Keller's mantra is that we are. Well, first we were. They used to call us. We were a um, training company that sells real estate. Yes. So because okay. it was all about education, still is, but now he's about um, not sharing our data. Mm -hmm. So mm. with the folks like Zillow. Mm -hmm. So um, mm -hmm. so he's a technology. He calls us a technology company that happens to sell real estate. Yes. What sure. kind of? How do you not share data when I thought most of what Zillow is reporting is just public? record you know sales prices and things like that so what's interesting and i don't know if everyone knows this but in canada there is no zillow in trulia because before those types of um resources i guess we could say began there they 
circled their wagons as agents and brokerages, and they agreed to not share their data. And so um, the MLSs, MLSs actually are secondary to the brokerages. The brokerages feed the MLSs and they control the MLSs and they didn't allow Zillow into their market. Huh. So we sort of didn't see that coming in the U.S. and just thought, you know, and I think it kind of goes with our free market society that everybody, you know, has a f- competing chance that we didn't get ahead of this, but we should have. Um, we should have kept our data and controlled our data and they've been trying different ways of trying to lock down our data but it's going to be in reverse and trying to push them out with um, keeping our data so yes but what most clients should know is that zillow is like a vacuum cleaner and it's not always Mm. sucking up the right information no in fact i did what you said Mm -hmm. i clicked the link i i've managed to zero into county numbers and um Zillow is accurate half the time, mm-hmm. within 5%. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm finding for our county. Mm-hmm. That's the, what they're reporting for our county. Mm-hmm. You got a 50-50 shot of them being within yeah. 5% of right. your actual value. Oh. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> it's like, that would be like, you know, gambling. And right. it's, and it's your right. largest asset. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think it just highlights the fact that there's, <clears throat> through technology, a lot of people try to do some of this on their own. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's great to get some initial information, but at the end of the day, sitting down, with some professionals in your life that you trust and know that they have, you know, good experience um, and can guide you in the right direction is so important, especially like you said, when you're talking about what's most for most people, their biggest financial asset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like when we were it's kind of like when we were young and we could do our taxes using, you know, an online resource. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you got to a certain point in your life where you your tax situation was complex and Mm -hmm. you needed some expert help. And I would say even now this year more so with the new tax sure. uh, reform bill, but it, you you can't uh, you can't go it alone in this in this market with all the complexity and what buyers expect. It really really is the time to have a trusted resource in real estate. Well, I know from working with the with both of you in the past, and then hearing obviously the conversation today, it's nice to know that it's not just one realtor's experience that you're getting, right? But you do have a cohesive team from everything from the market analysis to how we're going to market your property mm-hmm. to, you know, reviewing the contracts and making sure that your best interest is at heart and guiding you through that can be sort of treacherous terrain. Mm-hmm. It's nice to to know that you guys ha- have a team that you're all relying on and can draw from. So that's great. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. We all have our, our special specialties and we're mm-hmm. us. Uh, st- uh, staging experts and um you know we uh we've been out there we know the market well and uh we have a call <laughs> we, like have a we call. do have a call <laughs> got chuck and san luis obispo we're ready for chuck right here okay call all right hi chuck how are we doing what's up chuck well i have a question i uh refinanced a piece of property for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars that i felt was worth approximately uh, 1.7 to $2 million. On the refinance appraisal, uh, I received an appraisal less than half what I thought my property was worth. And so I really didn't worry because I was only borrowing $150,000 on whatever the property is worth Mm -hmm. and got the loan, no problem. And then I started... uh, 
finding out that that uh, appraisal is on record now. So if I was to sell my property next year, this year, five years from now, that that appraisal would come up that my property was worth uh, $900,000. In the $900,000 price range, I could get nine fifty or nine seventy five or nine twenty five. It was right in the nine hundred thousand price range. I have a uh, I've been in buying and selling real estate for going on what forty nine, fifty years now in San Luis Obispo only. And I was just kind of amazed at uh paying the price that I paid uh for an appraisal uh from somebody that seemed extremely qualified. Uh he did a walkthrough uh, and uh, it's a five-acre piece of property, uh, three rentals, and my house. And my house is uh, on any lot in San Luis Obispo, regardless of where it is, a 50 by 150 foot lot. My lot would be uh, my house would be worth close to the appraisal price for five acres uh, in God's country, with a view out of every window on the property. My house, is, uh, for the last 12 years, has been remodeled by me, and uh, I was just amazed. Uh, uh, well, I don't think I have, that's um, accurate. A- accurate information as far as it's sticking with your property. That's just a, a tool that you use, uh, that, that you have. You don't have to even disclose it. It's nothing. It's not a material fact to your property at all. So, Well, uh, the... the you're right in one sense that mm-hmm. the appraisal data now is stored and recorded. Mm-hmm. Fannie Mae yeah. captures all of the appra- appraisal data. When we, whether it's a purchase or a refinance, we're required to the the appraisal is essentially digitized into just data points, mm-hmm. and that gets uploaded to the agencies. So they do have that information, and it could affect the need for an appraisal on a future refinance. Mm-hmm. That's what it could affect. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly not going to be of record um, when you go to sell that property. Exactly. What yes. what gets noted on an appraisal for a sale is what the home previously sold for. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we're looking at a chain of title. We're looking at last sales price. Um, we're looking at, you know, how much time and improvements have have taken mm-hmm. place since the last sale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly not going to affect a future attempt at selling True. the property, yes. but it could affect the need for an appraisal in a future refinance. Because when, okay. when you go for a refinance, what the underwriting engine does is it looks at past appraisal data and sees if the new value input for the value of the home is reasonable given the time and the previous appraisal. Right. So maybe they don't need to have another appraisal. Right. So you might be able to get out of an appraisal, right. but mm-hmm. it's certainly not going to impact a purchase. Yeah. Right. And exactly. you don't, the, the key thing here, Chuck, is that you don't have yeah. to offer that up even no, you to your agent, really. I mean, it might be a good talking point to have with your agent um, so that we can see why that's proved out, especially if you have a copy of it, because we can look a lot of times when we get a wonky appraisal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've challenged appraisals before. It doesn't always work. But mm-hmm. um, but we take a look. We drill down into which properties are listed in there that they used for the supporting that price. And also we get we get really educated sometimes and look at what they plus minus in terms of um, you know, uh, leveling out those properties to make them equal to your value. And a lot of times you can shoot holes in it based on what they might have used. I hate to say this, but there is quite a training for appraisers, but mm-hmm. we definitely have a few bad apples mm-hmm. in our area. And um, and we 
we try not to use them if we can, if we can avoid it. But um, and I know our lender partners, especially good ones like Jason, Dan, they also know and they ha- um, they you know they've um, tried to pool the good ones together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the main thing is is that I don't think this is going to affect any future sales. Yeah, unfortunately, right. you pay you know five hundred bucks or more for an appraisal, and you expect good quality work sometimes when a refinance order comes through mm-hmm. and the appraiser sees that it's a low loan amount versus a home that's clearly well above mm-hmm. you know the amount being borrowed they there may be a tendency to get a little lazy right you know it's just yeah. because there's if they if they get aggressive on value or something it might be challenged what happens right? is exactly. yeah the underwriter starts to to make them do extra work and say, okay, well, justify why you think it's this value. Yeah. And, and, and then they have to do extra work that, you know, isn't really even necessary because there's so much equity in the property. It's like yeah. maybe the path of least resistance is let's go a little easy on value, won't have to do any follow-up work. Guys, you know, you're still going to get your loan and we can all just go about our day with least amount of hassle possible. So that may be what you encountered. Mm-hmm. Um, other times, you know, you're also describing what sounds to be a fairly unique, unique property. property. Yeah, exactly. So you've got yeah. acreage, you've got multiple um, structures on the property. Mm-hmm. You, the first there may just not be great comps. The first thing I was thinking of is that we've had some remote properties and I know that it took a hard, it took a long time to get an appraiser to pick up the assignment mm-hmm. because as soon as they saw the, the address, the location, they were like, oh no, I've tried doing that before and it's too hard. Yeah. And, and you know, that $500 that you're paying, I think it's less than two hundred dollars that the the appraiser actually realizes out of that. So yeah, it, that's unfortunately the appraisal cost changed mm-hmm. a lot with mm-hmm. the what it, I think it started with the home valuation code of conduct. Now it's the appraisal independence something mm-hmm. or other. But basically, through financial regulation, there was a big emphasis on separating appraisers from those who financially gain. Mm-hmm. Um, in a real estate transaction and to, to really try to maintain that appraiser's independence. And so they've involved these appraisal management companies that create independence in that ordering process, and they take a little slice of that appraisal fee. So that definitely, we, we saw almost overnight, the appraisals jump from in the $300 range up to around four to $500. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so that think, seems to be the I think range. the takeaway, Chuck, would be if you ever were in the market for selling that property, I don't think it would negatively impact you in any way. So, no. so right. you can release That's yourself no. from, from that feeling. And if um, you'd like sure. to have a free market analysis, we yes. can help you with that. We'd be happy to. <laughs> <laughs> have you considered well, I, selling, Chuck? I have on selling it, um, <laughs> but you know, you never know. Yeah, yes. sure. Well, uh, if you have a trusted resource in real estate, most any agent would be happy to run you what we call a broker price opinion mm-hmm. or, uh, or market analysis and, and see from our perspective how right or wrong that appraisal was mm-hmm. and then then you'll get two separate opinions mm-hmm. yeah thanks for calling in yeah. chuck we Thank really you, appreciate chuck. it and that sort of leads me we we always hear what processes a realtor goes through when they are talking to someone that might want to sell mm-hmm. what what sort of what what do you do to prepare a seller when they come to you and say you know what i'm considering selling what's my first step do i 
we just learned don't put in a new outdoor kitchen, <laughs> right? <laughs> don't do that. Unless you're selling five years from now. Yeah. <laughs> what, what advice do you give those folks who are considering selling? Well, we like to go to the house itself and, and, and take a look around. A lot of times when you're walking into your house every single day, you don't see the things that we're going to see because we have a trained eye sure. of what, because we have so many buyers that point out these things. So we, we look for those items and everything. So we counsel them and um, we get a, um, we, we tell them what, what we suggest, mm-hmm. whether it's a cleaner or a, a person to help declutter or, you know, what staging ideas and you know ashley and kathy uh on our team um they they're staging experts and and uh they give them ideas Mm -hmm. usually uh well the very first thing we do a a phone interview if that's how they're reaching out um and try to find motivation for selling how many you know how many individuals in the household are part of the decision because you always want to make appointments with Everyone who's going to have a, a, a say in the sale of the home. Um, and and so we get all that dialed in. We do what Shannon was just describing. We do an initial walkthrough where we let the seller tell us all about their home, take notes on those amenities. Because some things you can't see with the naked eye. Tankless water heaters. Um, right. There's a uh, in our one of our listings currently it has a whole house water filtration system which is amazing no no water softener it's um and you can drink the water out of the tap since it's all filtered things like that that are behind the scenes maybe they just put in a new furnace and or it has solar and it's paid for that kind of thing then when we come back for our second visit which i find is really important separating those two doing the investigation of the property and then returning with the numbers because i really don't know how you could ever evaluate a property um, if Over you haven't been in it recently. Sure. Yeah. And so, and then that second appointment is where we, we sit down and we show a complete marketing presentation just, and we do this with nearly everybody, um, get, I mean, it's only the sellers that, that know us super well, that, that want to dispense with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we usually go through a 30 to 40 minute, um, presentation where we talk about all of the various ways we we market that home and it's pretty comprehensive and i i haven't seen another agent's uh presentation that compares with ours really so so you feel like that's one of the things that separates you from just another realtor coming in Mm -hmm. so when they do have those three interviews um with a couple different realtors that's one of the things that makes you stand out is there anything else that you feel like you do differently that that helps you stand out that that pushes people towards doing business with you well, so we just talked about what, what separates us as far as listings go. As far as buyers go, um, there's a quote that I like. It's, uh, sale, realtors are not sales per, salespeople. Uh, we are matchmakers. We uh, introduce like people to homes, and then we become, when, they, when they fall in love with homes, become, we become the wedding planner. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this is more than just a transaction to us. We, are, you know, we find that uh, it's more of a relationship business. And um, we were not in it for the sale. We're in it for, you know, the long haul. We almost feel like our our whole entire job starts after the sale because we develop relationships with our clients and we keep those relationships and keep them um, in touch with what's going on with the the market and and what would be best for their home. And we're constantly getting them in touch with, you know, vendors to help them with improving their home. So we, we, we go above and beyond just the sale. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, I think that would separate us mostly from the competition. We're not looking for the closing because we do have, we do hate hearing from clients that, you know, that they know what realtors are and we're all about the dollar. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we we view the relationship with our clients, uh, our coaching program that we've been in for almost two decades is all about repeat and referral business. You mm-hmm. don't get referral business or repeat business unless you have an excellent customer service. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's in any business. I mean, if you think about all of the vendors that you use, the ones you spend money with, you don't go back if you've had a bad experience. Right. Um, you let your pocketbook and your and your uh, mindset, uh, you know, do the talking with that experience. And so um, our clients, um, you know, from the, the smallest transaction to the biggest transaction, mm-hmm. we want to be the ones that they mention first when someone mentions anything to do with real referrals estate. are so important mm-hmm. with our business and yes. that and that requires us to be top-notch mm-hmm. in everything that we do for them and also i think on the listing side jason just to go back to a little bit to what sets us apart i i i never understand it when i hear other agents that are that are not looking forward to a conversation with their sellers i have a week a, a weekly call day for my sellers and that's not the only time I talk to them during the week I talk to them every time that they have a showing but um, but that weekly call they they hear from me at least once a week to have a conversation longer or short and and I don't stand around belly aching about that I want to talk to them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we're in relationship this is a big transaction it's my responsibility and I want to communicate well and that is something we hear time and time again as the biggest complaint from buyers and sellers is that they went into transaction with an agent and they never heard from them again or maybe they got pushed off to an assistant we do have a full team we do have an assistant and a transaction coordinator you do hear from them if they need to talk to you about something that we need to get accomplished something signed but they aren't your only um person in fact you're you call me on my cell phone mm-hmm. so Mm-hmm. That's great. That's so important during the transaction, too, because we talk about the importance of getting referrals. And mm-hmm. you're not going to get those referrals unless people are 100% satisfied with you. Right. And they definitely don't want to send people to you if they had a bad experience. Definitely. No. No. So m- making sure that that process is smooth and mm-hmm. that they they understand that you're always going to be there. If they yes. have any questions, it's met immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no, you know, the, all the big hurdles get cleared early. Mm-hmm. Um, and just having that overall sense of, you know, I was really taken care of. Mm-hmm. These are people that I now trust. Right. And when my mom needs to buy a home or sell their home, these are the people that I want right. them working with. And that's right. the biggest compliment we could ever receive is a referral. And we, we treasure our referrals most definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we, we have client appreciation uh, events throughout the year. Uh, for our clients, we were always in touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's always just different touches here and there and everything. So we don't forget about you. Mm-hmm. We, we we thank we we are so happy to have you in our life mm-hmm. after the transaction's over. Right. Yes. That proactive communication is so important. I I think a lot of times there's this tendency to believe that no news is good news or something like that. Mm-hmm. And in our industry, I think it's quite different. When it mm-hmm. comes to your home, mm-hmm. whether you're buying or selling mm-hmm. a home, I think usually lack of communication, mm-hmm. the worst yes. ideas start to pop into your head. Oh, the yeah. fears, the... You yeah. start making up scenarios. I mean, it's crickets, you know. Yeah. And and trying trying to help people explain why there are... are you know, lulls in a transaction. If it's a 30 day transaction, that first, you you know, you had all this frenzy of activity in the first week yep. and then it goes two weeks where it's kind of silent because depending on what side of the transaction you are, if you're the buyer, you've got a lot of activity. But if you're the seller, you're sitting around hearing nothing mm-hmm. and that can be a little nerve wracking. Are they backing out? Are they, you know, what's happening? And you mm-hmm. need to be pretty much in every 
every couple of days communication with mm-hmm. sellers just so that they know what's going on. And those conversations, um, they the thing is, is that I think in a lot of cases, people dread that they're going to or agents dread that the seller's unhappy with them or it's going to be a difficult conversation. I find that 90% of your conversations with your clients are not difficult. You know, it's, it's just going to be a 30 second, Hey, just checking in. Once you know that the home inspection happened yesterday, we haven't got the report yet, but we're looking forward to it and that kind of thing. And just being open and transparent. Mm -hmm. So avoiding them is what Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yes. I think that, that that's one thing. Hopefully you have experienced this with Central Coast Lending as well, as we have these milestone emails that go out. Oh, so yeah, those are awesome. It feels like once you know, you're know you're selling that property, like you said, you're in escrow, and now everything seems to be on the buyer's plate mm-hmm. as far as like qualifying for the loan and getting right. the approval and all of that. It's nice to, right when you start to feel like, I wonder how things are going, mm-hmm. to, hey, the appraisal was ordered. Mm-hmm. Right. And the loan was approved. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, I mean, we that's paramount in our, in our company as well. But I mean, right. obviously in the industry as a whole, it's yeah. just so important to have that open communication to know exactly where you are. Mm-hmm. And that just releases that anxiety. Completely. And when that anxiety has gone, yeah. you get to the end of it and you're like, right. that wasn't so bad. Yeah. Right. Where's I mean, that I, investment property? Of, I, I love Central Coast Lending. Uh, you're always my number one choice. Um, oh, thank you. Especially Jason. <laughs> Say it again. Say it again. Jason, Jason, Jason. <laughs> of course, because uh, the main thing with Jason that I love working with you mostly is that the communication. I mean, you right. just you communicate. And uh, I mean, I could be with other lenders that well, I don't hear from them forever, but I always know I'm going to get an update from you. So that's yeah. that's why your phone's always ringing when well, I have somebody. And we talked about the big you know elephant in the real estate room, which is Zillow, but there's also the big elephant in the lending room, which is Rocket Mortgage, <laughs> or right. whatever nickname we're going to have with it these days. But and, and and to be honest with you, they they stepped on my toe too when they put out the realtor bashing advertisement where we don't speak to our clients in plain English and have to have it translated. Right. So um, we speak to our clients in plain English. We do not use acronyms. <laughs> so, but what I can say unequivocally is Central Coast Lending. With the communication, if people think they're going to get that from Rocket Mortgage, a nameless, faceless person in, in, in your computer, I, I don't know how to explain more that that's going to be a terrible experience. And um, that's why we have trusted partnerships with Central Coast Lending and mortgage mortgage brokers that are lo- live and local, like KSBY right. says, right. live and local. Yes. Because you are out to... Uh, to establish a relationship with those clients that's lifelong as well mm-hmm. and um, and be their trusted resource in mortgage refinance all the way down the road, you mm-hmm. know? Sure. And right. we always stress to our clients that recommending a particular lender does not actually benefit us monetarily in any way. Sure. We're not getting any kickbacks. Mm-hmm. We're assuring them they're going to have a positive experience. Well, exactly. we appreciate that. I think yes. our business models are similar that way mm-hmm. and we have the same level of respect for you guys. Um, well, we're yeah. obviously winding down the show. When can we have you ladies back on? That was, <laughs> that was amazing. Anytime. <laughs> I definitely want to make sure that our listeners know how to get a hold of you ladies. Oh. So if you want to go ahead and plug yourselves real quick, that would be great. Oh, for sure. Um, well, we can, you can always find us on Facebook. We have 10,702 followers. How many? 10,702 Holy followers. That is bigger than anybody in San Luis County. <laughs> yes. And we welcome more. Yes. And we we try not to overkill with just real estate related stuff. You see a lot of content. Um, we have a blog, Live Pismo Beach, and it has um, amazing recommendations for vendors and restaurants, restaurants um, events. So PismoBeachHomes.com. 
Um, find us on Facebook. Yeah. We'd love to see Instagram. You. We're yeah. everywhere. We're everywhere. <laughs> Wonderful. We really enjoyed having you on today. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Great Thanks for having conversation. Us. Great insight into the market mm-hmm. and you know the, the conversations that go on with buyers and sellers. It's always always interesting to peel back the curtain a little bit and mm-hmm. see how that works. Yeah. Um, if you are interested in viewing a home for sale or maybe thinking about listing your home for sale, I highly recommend um, Ashley and Shannon yes. um, with Keller Williams. Give them a call. If you need help with the financing, um, we would love to help you. Central Coast Lending is in every area of the county. You can ring all of our offices by dialing one easy number. It's 805-543-LOAN. That's 805-543-5626. Or look us up on the web, centralcoastlending.com. You can start that application process. Have a great weekend. Stay dry. We'll see you next week.